Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week, we're taking a deeper dive into Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. We are continuing with the rollout of the new mission tag for the church, expanding Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. And actually, this was the last week where we're introducing new material. So we actually have the full mission tag rolled out. We have the full kind of expansion of it through the sermon series and next week we'll be doing a summary we'll be summing up um and so uh we talked about worship being an example um and so uh you know pastor dina we were talking in ephesians which is not the most easy (laughs) of of passages so what struck you what were the things that stood out what were the confusions you know how did it land um, I think, you know, this, this was a hard sermon to hear. We kept talking about how the idea that we kept talking about the idea that the church is, it reveals God's wisdom. The church shows God's wisdom to the world. And in light of all these things we've been talking about over, you know, weeks and weeks ago, it, it really reminded me how poorly we've done as a as a big c church um and you know our little c local church is not exempt from that that how how short we have fallen um uh from from truly revealing god's wisdom you had made the comment that the world looks at us and knows god's wisdom but the world also looks at us and says oh that's not it you know um (laughs) Well, yeah, that's that's kind of a sad thought. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I, I know I said before we started recording, it was it was kind of a a bummer, in that idea of oh, we have so far to go. We, you know, are we, are we even close to revealing God's wisdom? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, but, but, I guess I I've been wrestling over the last day or so with that idea of that the truth that we are the wisdom of God and then also how does that reconcile with what the world sees the church doing and saying and how they see us acting and again globally and and locally people within the church um the way we treat each other the way we talk about each other the way we interact with each other how are are people seeing the wisdom of God the grace of God the love of God or are people seeing the world magnified through us. And I think those are good, hard questions to ask. Yeah. it's it, You're reminding me that, that truth really is a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. as I was preparing this sermon, uh, so it's, I would say my, I, I'm an idealist coupled with a pragmatist. Mm-hmm. And so as I was preparing this sermon, I definitely had the more idealistic side of me coming out because there's a beautiful image here of what the church is to be in being the the manifold wisdom of God revealed to the the rulers and the powers or, or the, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And so it's, you know, I think of the photo that I showed mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's, that's what it is and how I long for and yearn for that. And, and what a, I, I really meant it, what, what a beautiful artist God is to be able to take the brokenness of this world and turn it into that yeah and i i mean i have not abandoned all hope i can definitely (laughs) think i can i've definitely caught glimpses of 
the church being the church so well and so beautifully. And, you know, and I can think of, of times um, over my own church, you know, my own interaction with church and then, you know, being a witness to the way the church ministers to other people. So I have not lost all hope. I guess <laughs> just on Sunday, I was like, oh man, we really messed up. And I actually, I, I kind of snorted or groaned or something out loud in worship and then i thought oh no we're close everyone's gonna hear me but you immediately made a, a, a reference horrendous <laughs> reference that i didn't yeah, mean to make unintentionally and it uh, got me off the hook so i thanks for never that. have intended to put 50 shades of gray into a sermon <laughs> but you did <laughs> but i did so but god can even take that brokenness yeah. and turn it into some so so you have not crossed from limbo into the first circle of hell then <laughs> no no so I have not. That, that we were talking about dante prior to pressing the record button and it's, it's actually dante who uh between limbo and the first circle of hell where the sign yeah. says abandon all hope all ye who enter here yeah yeah in latin Yes. I don't know it in Latin. Do you know it? I do not know it in Latin. Um, You can Google that. That can be your Google homework for the week. There you go. Um, But, uh, and I, we know that there are going to be some people that say, I looked it up. I looked it up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there, there really is a double edged sword to it where one side is very idealistic and one paints a beautiful picture, but it does, um, it does also show us a mirror image of ourselves that perhaps uh, not even perhaps that we look into that mirror and we see ourselves for who we really are. And it falls far. What Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory yeah. of God. And it reminds us of how far that gap is. Yeah. And I think, again, I, I love the church and I love Christ and I love the people of God. And so perhaps some of my, my wrestling, some of my sadness is I want this for us. I want, mm. I want others to know the goodness of God through watching us. I want people to say that church or the church, they've got, they got it right. And the, the example you gave of the Amish community was mm. a perfect example. I mean, the world took notice of that. And I guess my, my, the longing of my heart would be that there would be more examples like that and less yeah. headlines of scandal and brokenness and, um, violation and and all the yucky stuff yeah and and then too there'd be less gossip and complaining and the 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 things that distract us from the wisdom of god well and and what you're bringing up is actually another part of paul in philippians where he says do everything without complaining or arguing uh so that you may be uh that you may shine like stars in this crooked and depraved generation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this isn't the only place in Paul where this sort of, this sort of idea is found. I mean, the early church struggled with it too. If Paul is having to say, do everything without complaining or arguing, you know, that's because people are complaining and arguing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, and, and I think the one word is grumbling actually, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic word in the Greek. Um, uh, Gungatso. Uh <laughs> I do know that one. Okay. Um, but um, but yeah, it, it, it's that is an idea that is found other places in Paul. And I, you know, you may just be a little bit prophetic in that because, I mean, the prophets really, the prophets struggled with the people of God not acting as the people of God. Yes. Yeah. And and again, I mean, I can think of beautiful images beautiful moments when when i've been so proud to be a part of this church and the church 
global. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, I'm not hopeless about it. It just, I guess Sunday, wherever I was in my head and heart and after a long week of back to school and all that, it just, it was kind of one of those times where it was like, oh man, are we ever going to get this right? Are we, you know, is it ever, are we ever going to be the people God called us to be? Um, but we need both sides of that coin. Right, right. We need the idealist who is who is casting the vision to say, here's where we're going. But we also have to be real about where we are and say, yeah. this, th- these are the sins that we are presently dealing with, and we've got to deal with them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think you need to apologize for... Yeah, no, no. Or, or qualify, I, I should yeah. say. You're not apologizing, you're qualifying. Yeah, and I do think that connects back to what we were talking about last week about being emotionally healthy and and being self-differentiated enough to say to to evaluate where we are and say mm, we still have work to do yeah. and and to not not get sucked into despair and say well then you know if we can't get it right it's just not worth it at all which is where some people land or the pollyanna it'll all be okay we're doing mm-hmm. fine um so yeah, I think, and I think to me, it's comforting to know that that God is with us in all of those different places where we find ourselves, and and somehow I think that that is when we can evaluate, when we can admit and confess where we've gotten things wrong. I have to believe that is part of the wisdom of God in that modeling yes. of restoration and uh, the modeling of things to come. That 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 all is all a part of it. Oh, absolutely. Because we don't come into this with clean hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that has been the, the wisdom of God the entire time, that he does take our brokenness and our repeated brokenness and our incidental brokenness and our intentional brokenness and, and through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit weaves it back into something that is far better than we could have ever imagined. Um, and so that's, you know, there's the idealist in me coming mm-hmm. back out again. Um, and so I, I think that's, I think you're absolutely spot on in that. Um, the, the note that I wrote down from our, from our pre-recording talk was we are the wisdom of God and doing a really bad job of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, I, I do think, I think the church needs to reckon with that. I think we need yeah. to read statistics from Barna and Pew and Lily that are saying, hey, people don't want to come to church, not because they don't love Jesus, but because they don't love the people who claim to love Jesus, who aren't acting like they love Jesus. And I think we need to be honest about that instead of just wringing our hands and saying, well, why aren't people coming to church? Why aren't people coming to church? We have to own, as you said, you know, we don't, we have to own our place in it and and adapt our forms our our systems our techniques we have to reorient our focus all without sacrificing who we've been called to be as the people of god yeah. which is different than the world around us yeah the gospel is always being reinterpreted for a new mm-hmm. age I mean, the first generation of Christians had to reinterpret the gospel for their context yeah. without Jesus. Um, the second century had to recontextualize it for that. The the 14th century had to recontextualize it. And here we are in the 21st century having to recontextualize again. Right. And the trick is to not lose the gospel yeah. in the midst of that. 
Um, if we lose the gospel, then we lose our purpose. If if we don't recontextualize, then we lose the people. Yeah. And, and neither one of those is where we want to be. No, no. And you're reminding me, too, of a psychological principle. So I forget what the name of it is. Um, so if you know it, just tell me. Um, <laughs> Uh, otherwise, I'll Google it afterwards and figure it out. But um, there's a psychological principle that that operates in people that um, I think operates in systems as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is that flaws that are in other people, we attribute to character issues, mm. whereas flaws in ourselves we attribute to circumstance. Yeah, I've I've heard that. I don't know the name for it, um, but but I have definitely heard that that kind of sentiment that we are much more gracious yes. to our own situations than we are to other people. Well, I was in a rush. Yeah. I, I, I had a bad day. I had, uh, whereas, um, and I think we've got to, to think about that on a corporate level because it would be very easy for us to say, well, we had this going on or we had this going on mm-hmm. and this, this going on, but those people out there, they don't care about the church and they need Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and we do that with worship attendance and and offering yeah. and the amount that we give. Yeah, we we are very quick to have our own reasons and excuses that make perfect sense to us, but no one else's reasons or excuses are considered. It's a moral failure. Failure. Yep. Yeah. So there's there's that aspect of 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 um, consideration in terms of being the church and. Mm-hmm. And being able to name our reality in a very honest way, you know, maybe we don't have circumstantial reasons. Maybe we're just making excuses and yeah. we have a character issue that we need to look at. And and that seems to be, I still have that paper from Barna. Uh, that still, that seems to be if 42% of people say that the, uh, of no faith, say that the hypocrisy of religious people is a barrier to believing in Jesus. Yeah. Over human suffering. I know, that's still... Or conflict in the world, two separate categories. Blows my mind. But but yeah, I mean, if 42% of people are saying it, then we need to at least, we can't just pretend Pause. it's not true. Yeah, <laughs> we, we have to look at that and say, huh, maybe there's a truth there. Or what, at minimum, what is causing this wrong perspe- perception of the church? We but, need a new PR firm. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> that I think... Especially in this time where, again, as we've talked about, the church is not central anymore. It's not just yeah. assumed. I think the church does have to do some self-work to use a you know a popular phrase to say, how are we, how is who we are and how we operate affecting the people around us in attracting them or repelling them or making them indifferent and and where are we where do we need to shift in order to be the wisdom of god that welcomes people in that that reveals god's love and grace i mean and i th- i mean i think those are uh, certainly god has many attributes but i i feel like as christians that's one of the main things we're called to to demonstrate that idea of love and grace and mm-hmm. radical forgiveness not in a it's okay, you know, it doesn't matter kind of way, but in a in a deeply life-changing kind of way. Yeah, in a Dietrich Bonhoeffer costly grace kind mm-hmm. of way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um I, I mean 
You're making me think of two things. First of all, you're making me think of uh, First Presbyterian Church in Maumee, Ohio. Mm. Um, their tagline is love first, mm. um, which I really appreciate um, in terms of it, the, the longer I'm in ministry. You know, when I, when I first started out in ministry, I think I was a lot like other seminary graduates where it was like the theology, the theology. Yeah. And now um, kind of the old question, why do, why do young preachers preach sin and older preachers pe- preach grace. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I'm thinking of that, but as well, I think I'm going to connect here to what you just said about, you know, relying on grace and the love of God, um, to the fact that I don't feel like I've developed the second part of the sermon very well. So, uh, where it says where Paul connects, that in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Mm. This idea of nearness to God, um, I think is actually really instrumental. I connected them as, as correlating points, but I actually think there may be some causal relationship Mm. in between the two where, um, our nearness to God is going to affect whether we demonstrate the, the, the manifold wisdom of God. Mm Mm-hmm. And so as I, as I got to thinking about that and as I re-listened to my sermon, which I do, I, I re-listen to things because I'm like, how, how could I have connected this better? And, um, also, it's been like 10 years b- between now and when we, when you preach it, it hasn't, it's been like 24 hours, but, <laughs> but still it feels like, it, it feels like it's been 10 It does. Years. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. But the fact that nearness to God is too often, um, in, in the work that I've done with with churches and helping guide them, nearness to God is is not even really in the vocabulary mm-hmm. of a lot of churches, um, it's particularly in the main line. I have most experience in the main line. Yeah. And we are so concerned because of the decline of the church, because of the anxiety, because we see less people. We're so concerned about the institution and we're so concerned about the organization that we forget to tend our relationship with God. And so we don't have the nearness to God. Um, and I wonder if, if maybe that's part of what we are recovering just a little bit in this new format in being close, mm-hmm. that we're recovering a bit of this nearness to God. And what does that look like? Because we live hurried lives. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And nearness to God, I was listening to, um, I can't even remember uh, what her name was. She was preaching uh, anyway, it's not going to come to me. Um, but she talked about the fact, um, she was preaching from Psalm 27 and what she said was, you know, David has this relationship with God where he is able to talk to God Mm -hmm. and that sort of relationship, even in the, the regular world, so to speak, takes time to develop. Like Mm -hmm. think about your closest friends. How long did it take to get to that level of, of closeness where you could reveal your thoughts without being worried about what they would say or being worried about whether they would want to be close to you still. Yeah. I mean, you know, my longest friendship started in, in middle school, so it's hard to even remember how, but, but even, I mean, even as we talk about dating relationships and even, even into marriage, I mean, I had been dating my husband a really long time before we got married because we were 17 when we met and even that first year of marriage, it's like, how much of myself do I reveal? Like, you know, Mm. as as you learn to live together and the habits of one another and, and (laughs) all that stuff, um, it, it still, it still takes time to, 
to be completely vulnerable with someone um, emotionally and, and in all the ways. And that's the, I think that's the question about the nearness of God. Are we tending that? You know, I made the comment that if you make disciples, you have the church, but if you make a church, you don't necessarily have disciples. Mm -hmm. But that's, this is another aspect of that. We can have a church and not be near to God. Yeah. But if we are near to God, we will be united with the church. And, and that's a, um, I, I think, I think about my time at Good Shepherd, now Grace Church with those kids that I showed in the picture. Mm -hmm. And that was not a work of the institutional church. That was a work of nearness to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can think of my best memories of, of youth groups and retreats and, and different things. And it, it was, it was the spirit of God, the nearness to God that, that made those experiences, made those relationships so rich and so deep and and you're right we are not good at cultivating it i I know we had asked over the last couple weeks as we've been talking about worship you know what what was a time when you felt near to god in worship and and my guess is that there are some people that just don't even know what we're talking about and i don't mean that in a mean no kind of way like it, it kind of breaks my heart because it reminds me that perhaps what we have been doing hasn't fostered that as much and even as you and I said like the first things that came to our mind weren't necessarily Sunday morning worship experiences but they were they were set apart experiences yeah. camp and mission conferences retreats and the more I reflected on it I mean and as especially as we get ready for a new program year and confirmation confirmation for me in my life I was in ninth grade when I made my confirmation was definitely a moment when I felt the nearness of God in worship and, and in that, that preparation, I felt there, it was a significant, it was definitely a significant faith formation moment for me. So I don't want to, I don't want people to think that I've never, never experienced God in the normal stuff of the church, but no, I, but there, there still is, if I could interject for just a second, Yeah, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when, um, you made the comment about the the preparation for worship is sometimes more worshipful than mm-hmm. the worship itself, which it can be totally a function just of our position. Right. So let's let's be clear on that. Some of that is not dependent on the the worshiping community. Right. But the but sometimes I I think that's that's a frustration is because the nearness to God that we feel in the preparation doesn't necessarily translate into the nearness of God that we feel in the worship of God. Yeah, that's a good point. Um. And so I think, I think that might be a source. I mean, that's, that's a source of frustration for me at times, just because I want people to, to, to feel the closeness to Christ mm-hmm. and the, 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 I don't want to say camaraderie, but the, 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 I don't even know if I have a word for it, but the, the, the closeness. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know what you're saying. Cause, and, and I've had that, that sense on, especially as I've led youth groups, thinking like, I want this for you. I want this for you so bad. I want Mm. you to have this, the peace that comes from being in Christ, the assurance, the, the reminder that you can't mess it up so bad that God's going to turn away from you, which I think, especially in the life of, of teens, figuring it all out is a really powerful message that, you know, that it's like a longing for other people to know 
the peace that you've experienced, the, yeah. the, the nearness of God that you've experienced. It, I mean, that's my prayer for my, my kids too, yeah. as they get older and, um, you know, my oldest will be making his confirmation this year. And I want that, that same experience. And I know it will look totally different than, than mine, yeah. but you know, I want that significance for him. I want him to know that he is so dearly loved and called by Jesus. And I want him to want to be a part of the church, which is what confirmation is. Yeah. You know, students, teens, whoever is saying those promises that were made for me before I could even feed myself or hold my head up or think or do anything. Now I know what I'm entering into and, and I'm doing it willfully and joyfully. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's my hope for my boys as well is that they, mm-hmm. they come to know who, who Jesus is and so that they become an example um, to their friends and to the world that like even uh, you know even with parents who bumble about and mm-hmm. you know we're, we're doing the best we can um, uh, and I don't say that facetiously to just yeah. say we're not trying but you know we're acutely aware of our shortcomings um, and we want them to know Jesus and we want them to know um, that that he is there and that we'll be with them um, and wants to be in relationship with them, um, for, for all eternity starting right now. Right. And I think that's an important point. It's not, it's not that I just want them to have eternal salvation, which of course I do, but, but I know the difference that Christ has made in my life in the here and now. And, and I think almost sometimes I want that more for them. And I, and I'm sure, and I know, and of course eternal salvation is a part of that because that's what sustains us through devastating loss and, and all of that. But I, I want, I want them to, to know now how much they are loved and cared for by God, that they are God's beloved creation and God is going to do great things in them and through them and is going to love them even when they completely mess it up and are not at all the wisdom of God that we're <laughs> supposed to, to reveal because I know what difference that has made in my life when I have not at all revealed the wisdom of God and continue to not at all reveal the wisdom of God, um, even as I try my best and sometimes. I think, <laughs> and, and I think that's why Paul talks about being near to God, because we can get that, um, we can think of God as being far off mm-hmm. and not having an immediate impact, but being the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms is a present reality that Paul wants us to say, so draw near to God. So Mm -hmm. be in close relationship with the one who is doing all these things. You know, we don't have to be, we don't have to wait for that to be a reality. Mm -hmm. So here's a, here's a question that we haven't prepared for, but here we go. Hey, you're, <laughs> you're finally getting to do that to me. I, I know. Yes. So if someone came to you and said, you know, I listened to the podcast. I want that nearness. I've been coming to church. You know, I'm I'm doing the right things. How do I get there? How do I do it? What would you say? Mm. That's a, It's a hard question. It so. is a hard question because I'd ask that person what their, you know, okay, you're coming to church and so on. Tell me what that looks like mm-hmm. and tell me how that connects Um to your life. And, um, this is going to sound odd, but the, the, the time that I was closest to God, I feel like was COVID Hmm. because I had time. 
to actually sit down and really spend time before the boys were on um, school or sometimes at the beginning of school because mm. that was the, the most focused time they had and they yeah. needed the least support. And Katie was teaching. And so, um, you know, during that time, I actually found nearness to God in a way that I hadn't before. But that's that based on just what we talked about shouldn't surprise mm -hmm. because you know when you find a new best best friend what do you want to do you want to talk to them mm -hmm. you want to find out about them you want to communicate things with them and and so on and so i think that um you know I, i'd want to talk about their rhythms and talk about um because if we buy into the system of Sunday morning, maybe a personal devotional every once in a while and some prayer, particularly prayer when we need something. Mm -hmm. That's not a re recipe for a for a relationship. If someone came in and was like, hey, I have this relationship with someone and they contact me whenever they need something and they drop by and sit in my house for an hour unengaged once a week mm -hmm. and are kind of looking at their clock as to when they can get out. Yeah. Um, or looking forward to the cookie that I'll serve them. Yeah. Um, I would be like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a very good friend. Yeah. Um, and so I'd want to explore what that relationship looks like, um, and explore where, where in that person's life, um, you know, where is it that, that you're afraid to reveal yourself to God? Mm -hmm. Um, again, the Dick Halverson, bring all you know of yourself to all yeah. you know of Christ. What are, what are we bringing? Um, for me, a big tool was, um, uh, a prayer journal. Mm. I, I keep a, a journal where, um, I have a lot of my prayers and a lot of, you know, reflections on scripture and so on and so forth. And being able to see the way that the, some things have progressed, some things have not, mm -hmm. um, being able to see God's faithfulness throughout the scriptures and then connecting that to my life has, that has been, uh, a very important part of of that and mm -hmm. i saw the work of god during that time and that was that was both beautiful and ooh. yeah Be because like oh man the world sucks for so many people and yet god seems so close mhm mm yeah yeah that that was a, a tumultuous time you know i'm reflecting in a way, I almost felt like I was spinning more out of control during COVID mm. than um, I felt like it was a it was a speed up except don't leave your house to do it kind of time. <laughs> um, but but as I reflect on the times when I have felt nearest to Christ, it has been when I have taken time to intentionally engage in some way with God and to reflect and to, to intentionally look for parallels and, and answered prayers and, mm. and reflections of like, Oh, I've heard this same message four different times now this week, huh. <laughs> you know, or five different people said this to me over the, the course of a month. That's odd. Or is it, um, <laughs> that, that those are the kinds of things that, that I can tell when I'm, when I'm not doing them, I can, I can feel it. Like then 
then everything just seems to be heavier and harder. I mean, work in the church, work in the family. Um, and, and it is, it's not all about time, but it, it's a lot about time. It's a lot about yeah. the, the intentional slowing down and being thoughtful and engaging in, and for me that that's not as necessarily Sunday morning for all the reasons we said that we're leading. Yeah. And, um, but, but sometimes that looks like listening to other people's sermons or, you know, engaging in, in worship music or other, um, other ways of doing that. But so I, how would you re- evaluate my response there? I think, I mean, I think that's great. It's a great start. And I, and I do get the sense that there are people who want this nearness of God that we're talking about and just don't know how to get there. Cause as we've, as we've been saying, I mean, we have not been good at discipling other people at teaching people how to have a relationship with Christ. And so often it gets boiled down to a moment or a decision and we don't give people tools then how to go beyond that. And even if, if it's not, if you can't boil it down to one moment or one decision, um, and with, like I said, I mean, I definitely have faith moments in my life, but mm, I can't point yeah. to a time when I was not a Christian and then was a Christian a minute later. But we, no, we don't, we don't have a lot of tools for those kinds of things as people grow deeper in their relationship, you know, and just like we don't always define, Hey, we weren't friends and now we are friends. Right. You know, that, that as we enter into these deeper relationships, as we explore, as we say, Hey, our relationship has gone from just, you know, carpool buddies or saying hi at the, the school carnival to a deeper sharing of who we are as parents and people and spouses and then even, you know, deeper than that, when we begin to share our faith and our, our emotions and that sort of thing, that have, that's much easier in person than it, than it is with Christ. And yet it's that same sort of kind of deepening, constant deepening of, of our relationship with one another. Yeah. 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 Thanks for that. I mean, I, yeah. I like, I like off the cuff questions that sometimes produces the the best material and the, the best, uh, you know, the best reflection on it. Cause then what is it that I think when I have to yeah lay my cards on the table, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I try in, in my sermons when I, when I talk about hard things and, you know, even as we, we talk about being near to Christ, I think it's important to own that it it is not always easy, even for those of us who are quote unquote professional Christians, even for those of us who it is very literally our job to study the Bible, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily produce that closeness like you would think. Yeah. Um, that that I I mean I'll own I struggle with it too. I struggle with making time. I struggle with with being disciplined enough in my prayer life and prayer journal journaling and and that kind of thing, you know, the tools that that make me grow as, as a Christian. And so it is a constant learning thing. It's a constant, it's constant work. You never arrive. Like we've been saying all along with discipleship, with relationship, you never get to a point where you say, whew, I have worshiped. I am near to God. Good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I can coast from here. 
Mm-hmm. And that puts a finger on it. I tend to be right-brained. I tend to be very logical. I like the academic side of mm-hmm. things a lot of times. And so I think that's actually one of the reasons why I found nearness to God is because I was not sitting down looking at the Greek words mm-hmm. and, um, you know, trying to figure out, well, what does what is the semantic range of this preposition? Yeah. You know, which Ugh. is... <laughs> yeah, sorry, but that I was that nerd at times. Yeah. Like I wasn't at first, and then I'm like, oh, this is fantastically interesting because it could mean this or it could mean yeah. this. It had this sense or this, and and finally, I think in that period, it it that was the greatest amount of growth I'd had in being like, oh, you are with me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so and so I really resonate then with uh, actually the twenty third Psalm. Um, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear for you. You are with me. Mm. Um, and it's not that God is going to make it, you know, God's not going to make it all okay. Yeah. He is present with us. He is there with us um, until such time as his wisdom actually brings the fullness of time um, yeah. to, to completion. And I think the peace comes from knowing or trusting that that's enough that 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 nearness of god will sustain us even when our world is falling apart even when the bottom is falling out and our hearts are breaking that it's not going to that sin and death and brokenness aren't going to have the final word even as active and as insidious as they are i know we they do get a word they do yeah it's just not the final one right that um that there is hope for something more than what we're experiencing in the present moment. And, and, and Paul brings that out. That was in the passage, the, the phrase, the days are evil in the passage that I preached on and, and this present evil or present, how did I present evil, present evil age. Oh, that was, uh, yeah, that was the passage you preached on. Sorry. I just clicked over. Um, are you talking about the, um, well, I don't, uh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the, no, that's in chapter six. Never mind. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> you know, this idea that, that the, we are doing battle. We are, you know, that, that the, the divine in us is fighting the brokenness of the world and God is not, God is ever present with us in the midst of those struggles and will not leave us and will not say it's gotten too bad. I'm out. Yeah. And to me, there's tremendous like a bad tag team partner. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, or, you know, like, okay, I was with you up until this point, but you know, you did this or you're, you know, you're not trusting me enough about this. So I can't, I I can't go any further with you. Sorry. You know, have fun in that Valley over there, the shadow of death. (laughs) So you're, you're actually getting into uh, part of what got cut and, um, uh, you know, I joked or before we hit the record button, I joked that you got to talk about, uh, drunkenness, yeah. whereas I got to talk about the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms where everyone's eyes just glaze over. Like, yeah. what does that even mean? Um, and the fact that Paul has a really, um, he has a very present theology of the spiritual realm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really hard for us because we are post-enlightenment empirical people. So we like data. We like 
um, things that we can observe. We like things that we can measure. Things um, we can understand. Things we can understand. Things that we can put our finger on and count and and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Um, but Paul does really, he talks about the spiritual realm there. He talks about the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And the, for Paul, the, the, the spiritual realm underpins the physical realm. Mm. Um, and it's always there. And so for Paul, you know, behind the great powers of the world, uh, Rome at that point, there was spiritual, a spiritual power behind that. Even though you had the, the physical power, Caesar, mm. um, who was there, there was a spiritual power that was behind that, um, that God had appointed, you know, um, uh, had appointed authorities to, to govern. And, um, and that there were there were other uh, authorities and spiritual powers at work, evil ones mm-hmm. that were doing battle with with um, the the world and doing battle to trying to separate us. As you know, C.S. Lewis puts in Screw Tape letters. You know, he just wants to separate us from from the enemy, as yeah. Screw Tape calls God. Um, and, and so, um. We, we can't read Paul and not understand that there is an understanding of the spiritual world at play here. Mm-hmm. And as, um, as we were talking before we hit the, the record button, that s- the, the power of sin is not an impersonal power like, um, like I said, like E equals MC squared. That's mm-hmm. just an impersonal force or forces is a uh, 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 mass times distance or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, a, a physics kind of, equation for for paul and for jesus and for god um (laughs) sin is an active force yeah you know it is um you know cain to abel uh cain and abel um sin is crouching at your door it desires to have you but you must rule over it yeah and that may i think that makes us uncomfortable i think because we're used to looking at everything much more neutrally with our own actions as being good or bad leading us into reward or destruction i mean and we see that we see that in well you know she was a good person and so she deserves this or Mm, that you know at the end of life we often hear he was a good person so of course god is going to love him and welcome him in um i think we're, we're much more used to taking that force on ourselves and and much less used to looking at sin as a as a force in our lives i don't i care i'm careful not to put it as equal and opposite to god because no. god ultimately wins god right. is ultimately more powerful but it is a significant force in the world yeah and i think i think we don't give evil and sin enough credit we're behavioralists sometimes. right we, right. we, we want to, we want to, again, going back to that concrete, we want to put it up on the whiteboard over there and mm-hmm. say, okay, here are all the good things that we did. Yeah. Here are all the negative things that we patient, did. I was patient. I was kind. Oh, I shared that gossip. Put a, put a tick over in the other column kind of thing. <laughs> I didn't cut that person off. Uh, I, I didn't flick that person off. These are all in the positive column, right? Yeah. Um, but we are kind of behavioralists where mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we've got to. We've got to add up what we did right and wrong, and see where see where the scales come out. The scales of justice. I mean, yeah, we that that's a really common image, and I think that as we dig into our own views of of God and views of our lives, I think I think for more, I think that's a more prevalent 
image than we might realize. Yeah. Yeah. At work in, in, in how we think of, at how we think of God. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Paul, even in chapter six, and that's why I had uh, some of the verses in chapter six up, he, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark, of this dark world. There it is. Mm-hmm. And against the spiritual forces in the, of evil in the heavenly realms. And he puts this in the context of what Christians like to quote, which is the, the armor of God, put on the full of armor of God. And this mm-hmm. is the reason he gives for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because sin is a, is a is an active force. I, as we were talking, I I wrote down this one thing. I said, you know, sin is g- not guilty of involuntary manslaughter. It's guilty of murder one. Yeah. It is premeditated. It is calculated. It is trying to find the the easiest way to to separate us from God. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and so many, so many of the things that we encounter could easily do that. I mean, the diagnosis that changes your life the the broken relationships the all the i mean they they very easily could be the thing that it makes us say maybe god doesn't actually love me maybe god isn't actually with me and yet i think i think when we're practiced in that nearness to god that those experiences are what keep us from falling into that that trap of maybe God isn't real. Maybe God doesn't love me. Yeah. Because I think the, the, I think the, the real question that, not the real question, but the, the kind of the, the really foundational question that comes up then is, is this, is this actually all that there is? Mm -hmm. Is this physical world all that there actually is? And what Paul would say is, no, you need to remember that you are an ensouled body or an, 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 embodied soul Mm -hmm. whichever way you want to phrase it we are an integrated whole um and so we want to make sure that we're actually integrating things even as the church Mm -hmm. um and so that should we should be ground zero for for putting these things together yeah and demonstrating the manifold wisdom of god yeah yeah so lots to think about and lots to unpack there i mean partially like like we started out i hear this this passage as a admonition, do better church, you know, <laughs> be the wisdom of God. Come on, get it together. But there's also that comfort and promise in knowing that, that God is near to us and yeah. that, that and desires to be near desi- to us. Yeah. Desires us and is continually drawing us closer, whether we, sense it in a particular moment or time in our life or not and that that somehow even in our attempts that don't measure up people are coming to know who christ is yeah and and there's tremendous hope in that yeah that's a that's a good word to to close on Mm -hmm. um as because we do want to know at our core, we want to know that we are loved and cared for, um, and that God is there and, and desires to be with us. Um, his holiness won't, as, as, as Isaiah feared, his holiness won't ruin us because of the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we can, we can take hope in that and, and be assured of his, of his love for us. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank God. Yeah. Quite literally. Yeah. That's a, that's a good use of that actually. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I think that wraps us up for today, unless All there's right. any final thoughts there. No. Okay. Well, if you found this episode helpful, would you leave a rating and review? And would you also share it with others so that they can discover the hope of Jesus Christ more easily? Uh, we really enjoy doing this, and we really do hope that it helps your spiritual life, helps clarify things that were said in a, a sermon setting where where we don't have the opportunity to discuss these things and have different voices. And we'd love to hear your voices as well. So if you would like to be a part of this, if you would like to email in a question or a comment or a concern, please, we would love to to hear from you, whether you're inside the congregation or if you are not. You can go to ccupc.org and you can find our email addresses there. Um, also, click that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast so that you can find episodes whenever they come out. We're getting into a more regular part of the year, but you never know. We always have those curveballs and there are some vacations coming up. So mm-hmm. we really appreciate um, your support. Um, but until next time, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And we hope this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.